Welcome to That Anthro Podcast, the podcast dedicated to anthropology. Together, each week, we will be learning from the experts and researchers that are researching our pasts and today's problems. My name is Gabriella Campbell, and I'll be interviewing a new guest each week to bring to you the latest and greatest in anthropology, based right here out of Santa Barbara. Join me for weekly episodes, whether you're an anthropology buff or looking to learn something new. Welcome to That Anthro Podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another week of That Anthro Podcast. Thank you so much for all the support on the re-release of this season three I'm so happy to be back podcasting, and I'm particularly excited about this week's episode. You know, I'm always excited. I wouldn't be producing the podcast if I didn't love every guest I had on. Uh, This week, we have Jeanette Lombardi and Kayla Stevens, who this summer lived in D.C. and worked for the American Anthro Association. Well, it was an internship, but they did quite a bit of work. The Lois Lamphere internship that the American Anthro Association has every year. There's always two spots available for students. They were selected and they were there living in D.C. for about six weeks. So I talked to both of them individually. The first part is Kayla. The second part is Jeanette. Learn a bit about them and the work that they did at the American Anthro Association and the lessons that they took away. They're both really interesting, fascinating people who are working on different things. And I'm really thankful that I got to meet both of them and get to share a bit about this internship program with you all, especially if anyone is interested in looking for an internship. I think that this is a great one. Thank you again to the American Anthro Association for putting me in contact with these lovely women. I'm very thankful that they took the time to speak with me. So without further ado, let's get into the episode. Today we have a very special guest. Her name is Kayla Stevens. Uh, She's a rising senior in anthropology and environmental studies at the College of Worcester. But you're also pursuing a pathway in museum and archival studies. So just to kind of start off, we're going to talk a little bit about how you settled on your major. Kind of tell me about that process and whether it was started before college or in college. I'd love to know. I didn't really know about anthropology at all in high school. I didn't even know it was a thing that like existed. Like I'd never even heard of the word, I don't think. Um, I was very much someone in 
all the different like college tours and throughout the whole college admissions process where I was always the one saying I don't know what I don't want. I don't know what I want to study I'm undecided but I'm just trying to find like an environment that works well for me um and I don't think I had really even heard about anthropology until my dad mentioned to me he's like you know there's this thing called anthropology that you might find interesting um so then I had that like in the back of my mind and I think I had like googled like what is anthropology I was like okay this sounds kind of cool um so when I got to the College of Worcester, we had um, this like session where you choose, you know, what classes you're gonna take your first semester. I was like, I know I wanna study anthropology. And I think that spring, like my spring um, in my senior year of high school, I had act my, my cousin went to the College of Worcester as well. He was a year older than me. So my aunt had been kind of like lurking on the college website to see, cause he, she had known that I was maybe interested in anthropology. And she had seen, oh, there's this professor who does, you know, he seems like he would be a good one to talk to. So I had emailed him um, being like, hey, <laughs> what's anthropology? Like, I feel like I might want to study it if I come to Worcester. Can you just explain it to me? Because I have no idea. Um, so he explained it to me and it was really helpful. And he kind of told what it looked like at the department. So then when I was at that um, like first year class selection event I guess when we went to choose what classes to take that. I was like yes I know it was so stressful right mm -hmm. <laughs> I was like okay yeah. I know this professor I've been in touch with him I'm gonna take his class so it was just like the intro to anthropology yeah. or whatever that's awesome um, and it was really nice he I just the way the class was structured worked so well for me that it just everything really clicked I was like yep this is what I want to do so cool what was the professor's name we'll shout him out uh yeah professor David McConnell Awesome. Yeah. I think you actually just inadvertently gave a great piece of advice for our listeners, which <laughs> is like either, you know, whether it's your first year or before you're starting your undergrad, like it's so important to make contacts with professors early on and not even being like necessarily asking like, can I work in your lab without experience, but just getting your name in their head so that if you need help down the line with anything revolving the major, like you have a resource and you have someone who can maybe guide you or just say, here's an email of someone who can help you. I think that is just like very, very helpful and something that some people might not realize to do. And I really commend you for doing that because you probably, <laughs> that really set you up for success. I'm sure. Um, given that we're talking today, you've clearly had quite a bit of success with an anth. <laughs> Now you're in, you're going into your fourth year. How are you feeling about just in general? Have you kind of settled on like a sub field or are you still pretty general with an anthro? Yeah, I would say I think kind of from the beginning, I've been very cultural anthro. I mean, I remember in the like intro to anthropology, we kind of covered all the four, four fields of anthropology and I, I enjoyed all of them. I remember like telling my dad, like every single reading on the syllabus, I was like, this is so cool. But I think cultural has definitely been where my interest lies. So something that you mentioned to me before we talked was that you, your school has kind of started a newer program or track that is um, in museum and archival studies. So what does that entail? And tell me, just tell me a bit about the program. Yeah, so it's this kind of overarching program that's called Pathways. Um, so there's a bunch of different ones. Mine is... Um, museum and archival studies and I think the intent behind kind of creating these pathways is it was very kind of career-based so you're kind mm -hmm. of entering into this track 
with a specific career skill set or like experience set in mind. Um, so it combines um, coursework. So you have to fulfill like certain requirement fields. There's also an experiential learning component. So last summer I had done a research assistantship with a museum studies professor. So that kind of counted. Um, and then there's like a bunch of reflective things along the way. I know you have to like work on your resume and get like go to the career center for that. So I think that's been really helpful. I found that throughout like various experiences and internships, being kind of in a way forced to do that reflective process is so important to like take a step back and see, okay, like how does this fit into the bigger bigger picture? Um, and I think also something that's really interesting is I never actually thought I would do a pathway when they were first announced as a thing mm. at my college. I thought like I had entered undecided and I had stuck with labeling myself as undecided for the first full year of my college experience. Um, so I didn't really think I wanted to tie myself to like a specific career field because that's what mm -hmm. the pathway program seemed like. But I realized that it's not tying me to anything. And I feel like still having that reflective component in my like, college experience is still going to be so helpful. Um, yeah. yeah. And just giving you a different skill set and almost it, to me, it almost sounds kind of like an early professionalization sort of thing yeah. in that you're learning how to package your skills and market yourself as uh, someone who could get, you know, whatever career it is that you're looking for. And especially even like the resume and CV, that'll be really helpful just down the line. And if you decide to apply to grad school, um, just having some uh, feedback on that just is really helpful. Um, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I, that's really interesting to hear about. And I like to hear about, you know, the different schools and things they're doing. I think one of my favorite things about the podcast is that I get to hear about a lot of different programs at different schools. And um, I'm glad that it's been a really good success for you. Um, you also mentioned to me that you are now serving as the co-president of the Sociology Anthropology Club at your school. Um, what are some of your favorite things about that club and just like the community? I, I, I know lots of times that's people's favorite things about uh, clubs on campus is just, you know, getting to meet others. Yeah, it's definitely been really nice. Um, I actually started being a part of the club by accident my sophomore <laughs> year. Um, I had a friend who was friends with the current like incoming president and he was asking for help um, for the exec board because I think everyone else was graduating and I guess I don't remember saying this but I guess I had offered my hand and help um, and next thing I knew I was serving as co-secretary on the exec board um, which was honestly great because it was in the midst of like the pandemic everything mm -hmm. was remote but I was on campus so it was kind of depressing um, yeah, but it was nice because it gave me such a good structure um, and I met a lot of good friends through that. I feel like in terms of now being co-president, I think my favorite part, at least from last year, was, as you mentioned, definitely like the community, community building. Um, our department is technically sociology and anthropology combined, so you can specialize in each field as your major. Um so we have a ton of, prof well, not a ton at the small school, but we have quite a few professors. Um, so it's really nice because we're able to associate with them and, and work towards events. Um, and it's fun because, you know, we'll have a movie night and professors will come and it's kind of, it's kind of nice to hang out with them outside of like, the more rigorous classroom setting. Yeah, it definitely is. I know that quite, quite well. I think 
that for me, actually, that was part of why I started my own podcast was because I, you know, I think probably my first year at UCSB, which is a huge school, I was like, these professors are up like quite literally on a pedestal up high. And it's like almost so scary to even try and have a normal conversation with them and think of them as a normal person, but like they're, they're a normal person too. They just happen to, you know, be in a more elevated status, but I, yeah, I'm really glad to hear too, that the professors are really interactive with the club. I think honestly, if anyone can join or be on the exec board of a, a club in their major, I think it's a really, really beneficial thing because again, it teaches you that like, um, communication with other people that you may work with down the line, whether it's just in classes or, I don't need, or in like a job setting, you know, um, yeah, have you, yeah, definitely. have you found that specifically as the president, you've had to kind of change the way you not present yourself, but ch- your responsibilities have probably changed. Have, ha- has it been a, kind of a mindset shift, I guess is what I was looking for. Yeah, I think definitely it's, it's made me think a lot about what it means to kind of be a leader, I guess. And cause it's, it's like, I can't just, like, I have to be able to assert myself and kind of show some sort of authority, Mm -hmm. but I'm someone who, I don't like to be intimidating. I'm definitely not that kind of person, Um, and I've been thinking about it a lot recently, where I want the club to, in terms of the exec board, I want the club to be a space where we all can kind of find their own sense of leadership in each of our roles um so it's not just me bossing everyone around because then yeah no one is going to initiate things to themselves and I think it's more fun along the way too if we we all kind of collaborate in that way mm-hmm. um it's been really cool though because um I don't know it's just been really nice and I, I enjoy everyone that I've been working with and it's it's yeah, it's, it's been a really nice time. Oh, I just wanted to highlight that um, you also do, because one of my favorite things in the podcast is showing like work-life balance and we're not all, yeah. we're not all school. We're not all fun. It's a nice balance. You do band things and you play an instrument. How long is, how long have you been doing this? Yeah. So I play clarinet at the college of Worcester in the fall. We do marching band, except my high school did not have a marching band. We had a very small ragtag pep band um, for football games (laughs) so that was like my only experience with sports events with music so I started my first year with the marching band and it just it worked out I figured out how to march and it clicked somehow um so I have stuck with it and now I'm entering my last year of it and I'm really excited actually because um me and my uh good clarinet friend who we've actually been friends since like the first day of marching band before classes even started our first year so the two of us are going to be section leaders for the woodwinds so that'll be really cute I'm excited um yeah that is really cool I actually did google the college beforehand and saw that the (laughs) mascot was the scotman and I was like oh (laughs) interesting my next my next question is about you know what you just did this summer which is you just finished um a several month long, two month long internship? Is it? Oh, it was actually six weeks. So six weeks. Okay. Yeah. So a six week internship uh, with the American Anthro Association called the, the Lois Lamphere Summer Internship Program. How did you become interested in that and kind of start your process to then being accepted into it? Yeah. So I think it was something that 
I think it was something that first was on my radar maybe last year, um, like last school year. I think a friend had sent the link to the application website or the website that had the information about the internship. Um, but it was at a point where it was kind of too late for me to apply for it. Um, and I hadn't really done an internship before, so I wasn't super confident about applying. But I had it on my radar for this year, so I was prepared to apply. Um, and I think I, I entered into it with not very many specific expectations. I just kind of wanted to be able to do an internship that was directly anthropology focused. Um, because in the past, like last summer, for example, I was working in a development office of a nonprofit. So I definitely could apply what I learned in anthropology classes, but it, I, I wanted something that was more directly associated with the field. Mm-hmm. That's cool. It's good for your CV. When you got accepted, what was your thought? Because I mean, first of all, I've had internships, but I've never had an internship where I actually have to move somewhere for six weeks. Was it an exciting challenge? I feel like it was something that, I mean, I knew that if I was accepted, I'd have to move to DC, but it was something so far off that I hadn't even really thought about it. Uh And quite honestly, I didn't even think I was going to get accepted. So it was like, whoa, (laughs) now I actually have to like figure out what this is going to look like. Um, But thankfully, I mean, the American (laughs) Anthro Association was really helpful with um, like they got us housing on right on Capitol Hill. So super convenient and made everything work really smoothly which is good because I'm not a city person so I need to be able to just navigate it very clearly and I did so I'm glad for that. Um, Had you visited Washington DC before? I had definitely been there in the past maybe in high school it's actually kind of funny because Worcester band in the spring which is symphonic band instead of marching band because it's no longer football season we were actually supposed to visit DC on a tour in the spring of 2020 which didn't happen because of COVID so I kind of joked that visiting or living in DC now was kind of fulfilling that unfulfilled intention which was kind of nice that is so cool um so actually I'm actually only 20 minutes from DC so I'm really looking forward to getting to explore it more too um I I've been and I've been in and my mom and I like went to the Smithsonian and stuff, but just in general, exploring more of the non like big highlights of DC. It's it's a really cool place. And um, I'm glad you got to have that experience. And I'm glad that, you know, you were in a central location because that's definitely, that's definitely important. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I know that you spent your time, your time split. You would work sometimes at the Arlington office, maybe certain days a week, and then you would also work at the Smithsonian Center for Folk Life and Cultural Heritage. Could you tell me just a little bit about how your work week looked like, and then we'll kind of dive into your responsibilities at each place and what you learned from it. The Folk Life Festival started on the National Mall in late June and then ended on July 4th. So I was able to be at the festival Sunday and Monday, and then I did half a day of cleanup um, on Tuesday of that week. But basically, my job was to do a lot of evaluation um, and research kind of pertaining to that. So really looking at the experiences of the visitors and also the participants, which is like the term that we use for the people who are presenting their work at the festival. So a lot of that when I was actually at the festival was doing interviews with the participants 
which is really exciting because I've never really interviewed people that I like don't know <laughs> so it was kind of scary but everyone was super friendly so it worked out yeah um, ethnography yes I felt like a true anthropologist um so that was a lot of what I was doing during the festival and then a lot of the after work was kind of analyzing thank you notes and survey results um or you know throughout the festival area on the mall there were a bunch of places where visitors could kind of write you know this is what I'm doing to you know stay sustainable or this is I'm going to be more eco-friendly or this is what I don't want to lose from climate change a lot of those kind of reflective things posted throughout the festival so I was then looking at photos of those and analyzing them trying to identify the big themes um, and then it all came together into one kind of cumulative report document that'll help with like future curation um, but also development efforts um, to reach out to potential sponsors. What is something that you took from that that you feel like you can apply in your own um, research as you go forward, especially probably related to ethnography? Yeah, I think it's definitely the interviewing because I, as I said, I've never really interviewed people that I didn't already have some sort of relationship to before. Mm -hmm. Um, So it was really exciting to just get a crack at that. Um, I mean, everyone at the festival was already kind of in the mindset that they were to be friendly to whoever came up to them at at their table. So obviously it's not like they were gonna shoo me away when I told them I was a Smithsonian intern. Um, And it's really nice too, I know you mentioned how it might relate to my environmental studies minor. Um, It was really nice because, you know, everything that the participants were speaking about, whether it be sustainable agriculture or, you know, alternative uh, fibers for your sustainable clothing or whatever. It's all a lot of the stuff that I've learned about before or I'm just personally passionate about. Uh, So it was really nice to just have not only a really lovely interview with someone, but also get to have like a really genuine conversation about something that I was actually interested in. Um, So I'm excited because I mean, my senior year, I have to do like a capstone thesis project and it's definitely gonna involve interviews. So I think I kind of want to keep that, that approach and the confidence I've gained going forward, which I think is going to be so helpful. Yeah, I'm really glad to hear that. Um, do you have any kind of concept of uh, how your capstone will un- unfold? Do you know what you're researching yet? Or do you have, if you don't know, is there kind of like a plan and a timeline for when you'll, when you'll be working on that? Yeah, so my junior year, I actually, in the spring semester, did a bit of prep for it because we have a class that kind of prepares you for a senior year capstone. Um, we actually call it independent study or IS. So if you hear me saying IS, that's what I'm talking about. Got it. Um, so yeah, my project is going to be about, um, are you familiar with Marie Kondo and like the decluttering? Oh, yeah. yeah. So she's gotten very popular in the last couple of years, I think because of her Netflix show. Um, but I really want to look at her first book. Um, what is it called? The life-changing magic of tidying up. Um, it was something that I really loved reading when I was younger for some reason. Um, and I really want to understand how her identity as a Japanese woman kind of plays through her writing and her method of decluttering. Um, Cause I think there's a lot to unpack there. I mean, 
if you look at, for example, her website where she sells a lot of household wares, a lot of things are marketed or labeled specifically as authentically Japanese, mm-hmm. um, which makes me wonder kind of how how like our understanding of of like a culture or country kind of plays into um I guess it's appeal to western audiences or how we kind of understand what she's marketing towards yeah. a western audience definitely a lot of ways to go with that in terms of the research but that's kind of the main premise I just want to look at how her writing both reflects and communicates kind of Japanese culture and how it relates to home organization that is a very poignant question and to be <laughs> honest like I give you the absolute most props because that's a very sophisticated thing to want to look into and I actually recently my spring quarter of UCSB I took an anthro of Japan class and truly I've also visited Japan so I kind of had a pre-existing like uh, interest yeah it's such a unique culture And there is so much to learn, especially from an anthropology perspective, about how we've adopted certain Japanese cultural phenomena in America, well, in the West in general. So I honestly, I honestly, I may want to read that after you write it, because that is so cool. And I think, yeah, I think you'll have a lot, a lot to unpack and a lot to contribute and I think honestly like that's such a great way to set yourself up like that's because there's a lot within that I think sometimes being like too niche down within a like a senior thesis can almost like put you in a box of like this is the only thing I'm ever going to study not that it has to but some people can kind of see it like that if they like get really invested in one thing and that has you know so many different different layers to unpack and hopefully will really set you up for um you know whatever you decide to do after you graduate from from Worcester. I keep saying it wrong. Worcester. (laughs) Worcester. What, if any, advice or lessons do you think you could share with um, anyone else who may be in a similar stage of their academic journey wanting to do an internship? Um, I know that's kind of a broad question, so you can take it however you like, but just really anything you think that you've learned or that you feel like you would have done differently, knowing, you know, having done several internships now just some general kind of thoughts on how someone who may be getting their first internship may want to listen to yeah I guess what first comes to mind is just (laughs) imposter syndrome is really real I mean I said I did not think I would get this internship I just applied for the heck of it to see what happened because it didn't hurt um and here I am Uh, I think something that's really good for that is reaching out to professors or maybe advisors or mentors that have known you quite a bit at college um, or just know you in general, I guess, and what your interests and work style is, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, And just meeting with them to kind of go over application materials or just kind of figure out how you want to describe yourself in writing because it's really hard to kind of step back and then explain to someone else like what you're like as a person Mm -hmm. um whether it be for like a personal statement or even a resume um I think that was a really big thing I mean my advisor has been so helpful um and just honestly giving me a confidence boost and being like no okay like you're fine you're Mm -hmm. you're you're doing okay like (laughs) don't worry about it um so I think 
yeah, just having like a second set of eyes to look over your materials or someone to talk through those things is super helpful um, just to kind of get out of your mind a bit when thinking things through. I think that's a wonderful piece of advice. And yes, imposter syndrome, it never goes away, sadly. Well, I shouldn't yep. say it never, it never <laughs> goes away. It doesn't go away for quite a while. And I deal with it quite often um, myself as a young podcaster. Um, but I think it's important that we're transparent about it and saying, you know, it's not like we're all just going to pretend like everything's hunky dory. We have to be honest and say, you know, sometimes I need my mentor to to remind me that I'm worthy of an opportunity like the opportunity that you mm-hmm. got. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I can, so I commend you for being able to reflect on that and sharing that with our listeners about how important, how helpful that was for you, because I, I think it definitely is for a lot of people. And, you know, I hope it'll, yeah. this is what I always think when, you know, a mentor is able to kind of help you work through something, you kind of take that and go, hopefully I'll be able to do that for someone someday too and be able to instill that mm-hmm. confidence. So I think that's a really good lesson to take away from all of that is, um, you know, supporting each other. And, but also, like you said, learning how to write about yourself in a way that is accurately reflecting. Um, you'll be set for uh, grad school applications if you've now mastered that, because that for me, the personal statement was yeah. what I spent just hours and hours and hours on being like, how do I describe myself and my ambitions in a non- cliche and or braggy way because it can be easy to almost like talk yourself up in a non-productive way like obviously you want to highlight your your uh, accomplishments and and uh, work skills but it can be hard to find that balance of uh, professionalism and confidence versus like bragging you know yeah yeah for sure that makes sense um so I think the last thing that I wanted to chat about was just some of your other favorite things that happened this summer, whether it was like in DC or just, I don't know, some other fun life things, because I just, like I told you earlier, I like to promote about all the fun things that happen in life and um, all of the experiences we have that are not necessarily um, school related. So just, do you yeah, have any favorite moments from the summer? <laughs> Yeah, I think I really just enjoyed being able to walk to almost anything I wanted to visit. DC was really nice. I lived maybe 10, 15 minutes from um, Eastern Market on Capitol Hill. So there is like the market. I think it might just be Saturdays and Sundays. I could be totally wrong. Um, But I only went on Saturdays or Sundays. Um, And it was really nice just seeing all the food and like jewelry and stuff that people were wearing I'm actually wearing earrings that I got from one of the shops Um, and it was (laughs) it was really nice I remember like one morning I got I got up early to eat at like a cafe outside in the market area and then I went grocery shopping and went to the market I definitely was trying to pack in a lot of museums which can get exhausting very quickly like after two museums I'm done for the day I can't and I'm someone who has to be very thorough and like read every single time, mm. which is exhausting, even if it's cool. Um, so it was nice to take some time just to relax a bit. Um, another really nice thing is is my roommate, who's also my co-intern. We we went down to the wharf one day and just sat outside and read for a couple hours. It was just so nice. And yeah. I don't know, just peaceful things like that was kind of nice, especially when you think of a city as being super 
busy like hustle bustle so yeah Yeah. I completely understand it's the simple things in life that get us you know get us (laughs) to the finish line and also you know you were you were interning every day of the week from nine to five or some somewhere around there so yeah you know it's nice to take that time off to just do little things and you're right walking being able to walk to things is like such such a special special thing um yeah yeah. Thank you so much for chatting with me today and answering all my questions. I'm really glad that um, I got to share your story with our listeners. And I'm so happy that you had such a great summer and you took so much from it because that's what's really important is taking all of the lessons learned and applying them as you continue on your academic journey. Yeah, thank you for having me. This has been great. Today, we have another lovely guest who did a summer internship with the American Anthro Association this summer, um, Jeanette Lombardi. So welcome. Uh, I'm really glad to have you here. Another fellow about to, uh, another student about to start grad school. So we were kind of chatting about that beforehand. Welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Um, so we're going to just kind of briefly give the listeners a little background about you, kind of some of your goals, some of the experiences you had prior to your summer internship. Um, so just to start, I mentioned that Jeanette was about to start her um, master's of science. Uh, that'll be at Syracuse University in the biomedical forensic science program, which is really exciting. Uh, she comes from Monmouth University. Uh, with a major in anthropology and a minor in biology and archaeology. What are some of your main things that you're looking forward to in this new program? You mentioned to me that it's kind of a shift, you know, you're going to forensic science from anthropology. So what are you looking forward to? I'm really excited to get more into the forensic field. In undergrad, I focused mainly on forensic anthropology and archaeology. So I'm excited to bring like more forensic anthro into this program and get a little bit of experience in DNA analysis. Um, That's something that this program will allow me to focus on. And I'm excited to explore that. Yeah, it's a really valuable skill. One of my uh, roommates does that um, specifically within biowork, but the same Mm -hmm. kind of like DNA stuff, which is cool. Um, What are some of your fondest memories from Monmouth? I honestly I really love the department there I made friends both in the department out and everyone in there was really great I also worked a couple jobs on campus there and I gave tours to incoming first-year students so honestly I really loved doing that I met so many people that way and everyone's really friendly so I really love those aspects of my undergrad do you feel like it almost made you like become even more of like a Monmouth stand because you had to like talk so highly of it like on I can tell you every single fact about Monmouth that exists because I like to be able to do that job well like you need to know everything about the school and like Mm -hmm. you need to know everything about the programs like we have admissions counselors who know specifically everything that they need to um I know I know a lot (laughs) like I'll be like I wonder how big this is their campus is 168 acres like oh cool like, it's just, like, fun facts now that I have in my head. What's the student population? Um, are we talking about, like, Total. number of undergrads? Okay. So there's about 4,200 undergraduates, yeah. and with grad students, about, like, 6,600. Honestly, it doesn't really feel small. Like, you know a lot of people, and the department's really tight-knit there, um, which I loved because then I knew all the professors. I was able to work with them. Like, I knew the other students my age, too. It definitely is. I actually, now that I'm at George Mason 
I don't quite know numbers wise, but it's, it's smaller than UCSB. Like for example, like the intro to bioanth class I'm TAing for has like 40 people. My intro to bioanth was like 200 or 300 or something. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's different. And it's actually making me really appreciate smaller schools, not tiny schools. Yeah. I still personally don't think I could strive in like a thousand to 2000 person school. No, I don't think so either. I really got to know the underclassmen like under me and honestly like I was playing my knowledge I had as a tour ambassador like my knowledge of the school the programs like really I was just like spouting information like everywhere I was like what do you need to know I have every fun fact you could ever possibly want (laughs) which I like I like doing that um so really like pulling that into being a TA I am Chiang for a general biology one laboratory course here at Syracuse. So I am the lab instructor. I have about 20 students under me in both of my classes, um, which will be fun. It'll be exciting. Um, I haven't, with the way COVID was, I wasn't able to be in the lab as much as I would have been otherwise. So I think it'll be fun to do that. And I'll be able to bring in my knowledge that I have of like helping other students, guiding them, TAs are kind of just another resource for students to use. They're kind of like a go-between between between students and full-time faculty. And you're closer in age, so maybe they're more comfortable talking to you than the professor. So I feel like I have with my kids I peer mentored because I was between them and the dean of the honor school. And she's great. But sometimes kids feel like overwhelmed or they just are nervous, even though like, you can be a really personal person and then you still have like a first year student who's just new to college and living away from home and maybe they just have questions that they feel like you could answer better so I feel like I'm pulling that knowledge in too I also besides peer mentoring I tutored Mm. so I tutored every possible anthropology class you could ever think of (laughs) that I've ever taken and like elementary Italian and biology I'm able to pull in the information I've learned and taught from them and then apply it in this classroom setting so I think that's exciting and it'll be a new chapter for me to adventure into definitely I feel the same way going into TAing Um, I just have to constantly remind myself um, to set the boundary of like being friendly but not being friends with them because it is our job absolutely And I peer mentored as well in Mm -hmm. undergrad. So it's a bit different because you can't be friends with, you know, your students. And I'm not saying, you know, I think there's a big difference between friends and friendly. So I think there's that line to, to deal with, but um, I'm also excited. I like the idea that, you know, like you were saying, the students Mm -hmm. can come to us with the things that they may, they just may need more personal help with. However, it was funny when I was introducing myself to my students, I was like, talk to me about anything except Northern Virginia geography, because Lord knows that I don't know it yet. Ask me anything about California and I can help you there. Yeah. I was like, California, I got that. So, yeah. Um, all right. Uh, so what did you do your thesis theses on? Yeah. So I actually did two. (laughs) Congratulations, girl. I didn't even do one. That's because (laughs) the UCSB, um, I can say this now that I've graduated the UCSB honors thesis, uh, course mm-hmm. is a terrain wreck. Oh yeah the honor school they allow for either like a typical research thesis or you can do like a capstone project and make something entertaining and fun. Um, so for them I like where my research aligned with anyway like it was easier and more in my like realm for me to do the research thesis. 
And I was able to kind of use some of my same sex estimation material. That way it was like a whole new thesis. Mm -hmm. So I was looking at the effects of sexual dimorphism and the construction of femininity and masculinity. Mm -hmm. Um, it was really cool. It was more along the lines of like feminist anthropology, cultural anthro, and like forensics, um, which I love the combination of. And it was really fun to be able to look at not only the skeletal analysis, but like I looked into media too, like media portrayals of like what people expect men and women to look like. Um, I actually put in some cartoons too. So you know the movie Encanto that came mm -hmm. out recently? I actually included Louisa from it in my analysis. Oh. People had some things to say. So it was really interesting to talk about and research. So that's fun. It seems like a nice um, interdisciplinary study and something that, you know, I mean, I think the more that we can pull in uh, popular media. So what are some of your goals after your master's? I know, obviously, uh, don't get me wrong. I don't have any like specific goals after my master's. So I don't mean anything like specific but just kind of generally in your perfect world like where are you kind of hoping to take your career yeah so I actually kind of have that planned out a little bit but I'm also leaving it up Good to kind you. of see <laughs> I'm leaving it to see where I go so I've always wanted my PhD um and I've been striving towards that so I was kind of thinking maybe getting back into like a biological anthropology degree and being able to like adapt my forensics to that mm -hmm. um We'll see if I want to continue doing that. And that's, you know, still my same path. I'm working with the anthropology department here. I'm taking some classes. Um, they have a bioarchaeologist. So I'm trying to see, like, awesome. what kind of experience I can get with her, you know? Um, I think I know who it is. Who? What's her name? Shannon Novak. Yeah. <laughs> I was <laughs> like, I'm pretty sure I, like, emailed someone to work there. Yeah. 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 I reached out to her and I'm taking two of her classes a semester. Um, anthropology of Death and Human Osteology. Oh, awesome. Yeah, I'm very excited. I just got one of my books for the class from the library on campus. Cool. And I'm like walking back to my apartment holding a book that says Death, Morning, and Burial. I'm like, yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. Um, which is fine. So I'm really still trying to keep some anthro while I'm here, but I want to delve more into forensics and that's what the whole degree is for. Yeah. So I'm going to see if that's something I'd rather just get into and if I like that more then maybe I won't get my PhD but I think as of right now I'm just gonna kind of leave it up to see what the cards are and yeah. ideally I want to work for like a medical examiner's office um, or the government agency for like criminal cases. It's good I feel like to have the goals but also to understand the goals can change. I yeah. literally had a mental breakdown when I decided that forensic <laughs> anth wasn't for me um, yeah. and it, it just wasn't for me I, I have nothing mm -hmm. against forensic anth as a whole I just it it wasn't for me and but for so long I had been saying that that's what I wanted to do that when I came to the realization I had a full breakdown because I was yeah. like this is what I've said I wanted for so long mm -hmm. and it's so funny because it's not like I detoured that much it's like I'm in bio arc so it's not yeah. I mean I'm still working with bones it's just old bones versus new yeah. bones so yeah I think that's kind of a good just a little note to anyone else who's like in the kind of similar stages as Jeanette and I, like everyone's plans change in <laughs> little, big, or in between ways, and it's totally all right. And it's all right to um to have goals, but also to be aware that they're going to change. So I think that's our little nugget of advice for, from definitely. Uh, yeah. 
Um, so now I'd love to chat about your internship with the AAA, which is the American Anthro Association. Mm-hmm. Um, you started it about, I believe Kayla was saying it was like around July. Yeah. So we moved down, I moved down like right before the 4th of July. Okay. So it was nice and hot down there, you know? Sure. Um, I worked between the American Anthropological Association and the Naval History and Heritage Command for six weeks with my field site at the Washington Navy Yard, um, the Naval History and Heritage Command. I worked under their underwater archaeology branch. So that was super fun. And I love the experience I got from being able to rotate the work I was able to complete. Mm -hmm. What specifically would you do at the um, Naval History and Heritage Command? So while I was there, there were four or five interns who are working and I was the only one with the AAA. The other ones were under a different program, but we were all pretty much working on the same project, which was the ship, the Royal Savage. Um, it was a British schooner that sank during the American Revolution. Um, Americans shot it down. Then they actually took it and like fixed it up and they used it against the British and the British shot it down and they blew it up and it was a whole big battle. <laughs> But the point of that being, it sank, um, and then in the 1930s, it was retrieved and kind of sat around in a barn for 70-ish years, maybe 80 years, um, because no one wanted to put out the money to kind of make a museum around it or actively preserve it. All of the parts of it were kept. Um, The man who retrieved it, Lorenzo Hagland, he didn't want to sell any of the pieces, which was really great for us. Um, and I worked on the documentation of it. So the way they document, they make artifact cards, which lists out all the information you could possibly need, like descriptions of it, size, weight, markings on it that are specific, the condition, and any associated objects. And then we actually drew pictures of what they looked like, too, cool. um, which was fun. Yeah. <laughs> I like drawing. So I had fun drawing, like, little pictures of everything. And then besides that, I took photographs of the artifacts um the process for that is kind of like lengthy and specific like I didn't realize how much goes into it but I had to take pictures at different exposures and pick the best ones you have to have your measure for it and label um and then you have to like crop everything and pick the best one I liked it though I really liked the process of that some of the other interns were working on like conservation But besides that, I did like a side project too, where I got information about this submarine that they might take out of the water. So I did like a summary of all the documents that they had about it. It was a lot of emails and then like, um, like history packets that they had from um, the first world war when the submarine sank. Um, so that was fun to go through and see. And yeah. I was able to pose anthropological questions for it. So I was like, yeah. I was the one writing up the questions being like, so what does a conservation process look like? What do we do with the human remains that are found on there? Because a lot of people died when that submarine sank. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was just, it was really interesting to be able to get all this yeah. experience. And everyone there was super knowledgeable. Um like you would ask questions and they would just know the answers or they would look them up and help you figure out everything. Um, I had never done underwater archaeology before. Specifically, can you give us any insight into what some of the artifacts you were cataloging were? Absolutely, I can. 
So I worked on like an axe head, some barrel lids, a lot of different types of objects. So there was like metal iron objects, organic composite, organic wood. Um, there were ship timbers. Um, there were some lead artifacts. And when you work with lead artifacts, you have to take more precautions. So besides just wearing your typical gloves, you also need a lead mask to wear just in case. So I had to wear a lead mask because there were dust particles from the lead on it. Um, I worked on some cannon shot, um, which were fun. And I accidentally found some grenades. Was that a little adrenaline pump and heart racing? It was like, I take it to my boss and I was like, hey, this looks a little funky. Why are all these holes here? Like, I know what this like white webbing is. It's from like old insects that died in here. But then obviously we had to take precautions and be like, well, now we need to find all of the quote cannon shots, you know? that might not be cannon shots and put them in the solution to make sure they're somewhat active, which is great because I was carrying them in baggies in my arms to take pictures of them first. And I was like, they go up. So do I. Yeah. <laughs> we had a little bit of an interesting day. Uh-huh. I was like, I was almost done cataloging these. I was so close. Yeah. And then we had to go back through them. Um, of the, there's a lot of them too. So, but of the 13 that we like, took aside to put the solution only four of them were really grenades and none of them were active cool. luckily <laughs> yeah <laughs> I think from the, the story probably would have ended like, differently oh, if God. they were yeah exactly but it's a fun little story to be able to tell people like hey i found some grenades by accident <laughs> yeah for sure yeah because i know you were working within a museum was there anything mm-hmm. that you saw that you weren't necessarily working on that was kind of like special or unique or something you maybe wouldn't have expected to be in a museum like that they are currently under renovations. They're moving a couple different office spaces around. So we were sharing like the museum with the Cold War, but it was interesting being able to go through it and see what they had. We actually were given a tour through the full museum exhibit by one of their, um, so one of their tour guides, he showed me and three of the other interns around the museum. Actually, it was really cool. They had part of a ship that was built into the museum. Like, I guess when they were creating it, they built it directly, like, into the building itself. That's so cool. And they had some tiles that were from, like, important ships that were, like, on the tiles. So that was that was three days of your week. The other yeah. two days, you were at the actual AAA office. Um, one day was virtual, right? Yeah, the one day was virtual. I lived with Kayla on Capitol Hill, which was really cool. Yeah. <laughs> Um, we were like two blocks from the Library of Congress and the Capitol building itself. So mm-hmm. I sat outside the Library of Congress, um, that one day a week and I did my work from there. Oh, that's awesome. It was great. They had free Wi-Fi. Oh. Yeah. I was like, perfect. That's perfect for me. Yeah. So I sat there. I was able to get outside a little bit. Um, I love being outside. So I was oh. glad to be able to sit out there even for a little bit. What were your thoughts in general about living in D.C. and working in D.C.? I feel like it's definitely a unique experience being in a city like that, especially one that, you know, has so much history, but is also quite literally our nation's capital. (laughs) Yeah, I like would forget periodically that this was the nation's capital. And then I would just kind of like remember it and be like, wait, that's cool. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, because you like get used to it. And then you're like, oh, yeah, now this makes sense. Why there's so Mm -hmm. many people here um I had never lived in a city though before so I was like a little bit nervous about finding my way um my sense of direction is not good um 
I even learned that when I was out in the field, like working for the CRM for my work for, and we had maps showing where you had to go. And I was like, walking around, looking in a circle, trying to figure out which direction it was. But in there. <laughs> yeah, usually figured out. I, like I based off of where everyone else was placed and like figured out like, I got better at reading maps. So I did. That's great. Which is good for my sense of direction. Um, Not completely lost anymore. Mm-hmm. Getting a little bit better. Um, but living in a city, I was like nervous. I was like, I don't know anything around me. Like, I don't know where good areas to be in, where good restaurants are and stuff. Um, I liked where we lived on Capitol Hill. I thought it was like really nice. Um, and it was like close to places. I didn't actually find living there hard though. Like I thought it was gonna be a lot harder to live in a city and try to figure my way out. And it wasn't like you kind of just get into like the groove of it yeah which is fun and then like there's so many things to do too so i always was like busy which is great yeah um would you think you would recommend to other students that this is you know a an interesting and thought-provoking internship oh absolutely what i did between the AAA and the uab were completely different and i love that I like that they were different because they gave me two different experiences for one internship. I don't think I talked about what I did with the AAA, Mm. Um, but for them, I actually worked on a member survey they had. They put out a member survey in 2021 um, and I worked on the data visualizations for them. So I made like tables and charts and graphs like based on the results from the survey. And then I actually wrote the report for it, which I am like co-authoring with Daniel Ginsberg. Um, I met them. Yeah, yeah, Daniel's great. So it was really fun to work under them. Um, and I worked a lot. I don't know if you talked to Caitlin. Mm-hmm. She works under them and they were great to work with. And I thought it was really great the experience I had. They also had a whole bunch of side projects for us to work on if they wanted, like, to not work on a main project for a little bit, which I like because doing different things is fun. Mm-hmm. And as much experience as I can get, like, I'll take, you know? Yeah. Diversifying so, your skill set. Exactly. Like, we worked on going through articles from Anthropology News to put together a reader for, like, high school and college students. We worked on, like, the AI and task force, which has to do with, like, Native Americans in North America. Um, We worked on, like, increasing accessibility in YouTube videos, like, through captioning, which is not something I thought I'd ever do. And that's, we actually, Kayla and I, I don't know if she mentioned it, but we worked on an article that's going to be published for Anthropology News about what we did in this internship. Oh, awesome. I don't think she mentioned that. Yeah, so hopefully it'll come out at some point soon. It was a little bit of like what our week in the life was like. Yeah, that's awesome. That was fun to write about. And we have so many pictures too from everything that we did. So I loved it. You'll have to send some of the pictures to post on the podcast Instagram. Oh my gosh, absolutely. I didn't know that podcast had an Instagram. Yeah, at that answer podcast, listen, um, follow, please. <laughs> I'm about to follow you right now. Yay. So. Yeah. Um, well, I really appreciate your time and I'm really glad that we got to chat and I'm glad that your internship was a great experience. You know, I, I really believe in, like I was saying, diversifying your skill set, moving somewhere. I mean, even just the fact that you were able to navigate a city and public transportation, because I know you guys would take the Metro a lot 
oh, four yeah. six weeks, that in and of itself is such an accomplishment mm-hmm. and uh, really a testament to your work ethic and the fact that, you know, you can uh, adapt in lots of situations. Um, so yeah, I don't, I know, I don't need to tell you that I'm proud of you, but I just want you to know you did a cool thing and um, yeah. I'm really glad that you, that you wanted to come on and tell, tell our listeners about it. Yeah, absolutely. I'm so happy to talk about it at any time. Like this internship really just, it was a great experience. It's not what I thought I would ever get. I, this is actually my second year I applied, I think. I think I applied oh, cool. the year before too, but I had more experience going in this year, um, especially in archaeology. Even though I know I said I focus on forensic anthro, I have done a lot of archaeology and I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it like pulls me into that little like rabbit hole where I'm like, maybe I want to do this forever. <laughs> and then I'm like, do I want to yeah. do underwater archaeology now? Do I not want to do forensic anymore? And then like, you start thinking. And honestly, I love doing a little bit of everything. And I feel like that's what I was able to do. 